Well, it's fun for us to be together this morning as we welcome back mission team from London that just got back late last night, and we're praying for our mission team to Maryland this morning. We've got uh, folks on the ground. That's why if it looks like a lot of our students aren't here, it's because a lot of them aren't here. They're on a mission trip right now uh, with Patton and and doing some great work up there in Maryland, and uh, that's actually finishing up our three-year partnership with them. We also have a mission team that's on the ground in Oregon today, which is awesome for them, finishing a mission partnership there, three-year partnership with them as well this summer. And uh, we have some of our missionaries that are here with us uh, today. They're going to be in our second service, Miles and Whitney Carey. They're the Wycliffe Bible translators uh, that you have gotten to know a little bit, and and they've been uh, finishing their first semester doing that. So it's great to kind of see all of that happening. Uh, It's really been uh, phenomenal. And and we have a a couple of guests back with us today, Pastor Brad and Tiffany. Y'all, wait, 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 don't clap for them yet. Y'all having problems? Is there a reason y'all are sitting? You got told to sit. So Tiffany, you told Brad to sit away from you. I get it. I understand. I understand. Welcome back. Glad to have Pastor Brad and Tiffany back with us from Arkansas. I about said from Arkansas. That's where he's from, but from Oklahoma City. Glad to have you guys back. And uh, I was teasing Brad not long ago because... The pastor that he loves, not me, the pastor that he loves, Dr. Ronnie Floyd, just became the head of the executive committee for all Southern Baptists. That was Brad's pastor. He served there in Arkansas, and Ronnie Floyd is going to do a great job for us as Southern Baptists. He's leading us here in Nashville. You'll be praying for him. Uh, we also have some friends of ours here in town, Robbie and Pam Raglan, all the way from the great state of the Commonwealth of Virginia. It's a good place to be from. You know what I mean? What do you think, Rob? Huh? That's all right, isn't it? Uh, Robbie raised me from a child over there. I've, I've known them for a long time. They were in our church in Virginia and glad for them to be with us. I mentioned Global Focus, and we have a really important day happening today after this service, and I'd like you to pray for us as we do that. Our Global Focus executive team will be meeting today to really design the next year's invites and partnerships for our Global Impact Celebration. We have a, a shortened Global Impact Celebration this year, meaning it's our mini GIC, so it's only on Saturday and Sunday this year, and only new partners will be invited. And so we're excited about that. But would you be praying for that? That always is an exciting time for us, and we're praying for that. We're also praying for the champions that will be involved in those ministries. And I need some champions. I've got two mission opportunities for this next year that would be phenomenal, but I don't have champions for them. One is in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, with an international church plant that just got started there. And you say, well, what's going on in Knoxville? You need an international church plant. A lot of international folks have moved there, particularly folks from Asia. And it's just been amazing to see what God is already doing in Knoxville International Church. And if you've ever thought about being more involved in missions, I want to ask you to come speak with me afterwards because you being a champion for them would be amazing. The other one that we have that we don't have a champion for is Zambia. We have an unbelievable opportunity to go into Zambia and work with uh, a missionary there who came from our sponsoring church in Global Focus in Decatur, Alabama, Brother Doug Ripley's church. And I'd love for you to understand what it means to be a champion and what that looks like. Champions kind of help us get things going, organize trips, and kind of become the sounding voice for everything that happens in Global Focus. That's a good thing if you want to be a part of it. Please see me after the service. Last week, we started a new series called Summer School, and we continue that this week. And last week, our topic was giving, and we discovered Jesus' way of handling generosity. How does it work when Jesus tells us that we need to be generous? And you may remember a couple of important things that came out of that 
study. One is that if you're kind of struggling with being stingy, you haven't found the heart of God yet because God is always generous towards us in everything that he does. He doesn't withhold anything that's good for us from us. He doesn't withhold even his own son from us. Remember, it says that he didn't even withhold Jesus Christ, allowing him to die on a cross for us. And so we kind of learned that the heart of God operates in generosity and the marks of believers are when they are generous. Now, you may not be a naturally generous person. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, working those things to come out, and we kind of saw that. We also understood that Jesus taught us that we needed to be generous in secret, that we didn't need to to be generous in such a way that we were trying to get other people's attention by our generosity. We didn't even need to be smug in our generosity, proud that we had become generous, or proud that we had done something. That's that idea of don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing as you give these things to people, and that we practice this righteous kind of living only in front of our Heavenly Father, not for other people, because if we do that, then that's all the reward that we get. Well, today we're going to sit in the classroom of prayer, and that's the subject today as Jesus continues to teach us. And I think we're fortunate to have Jesus himself teach us about prayer. So if you want to join me in Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be today. And I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it. If you have a cell phone, put that on airplane mode and stuff it away somewhere so that your Facebook alerts won't be showing you the latest cat video or some other uninteresting thing that really won't help you with prayer today. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen behind me in just a second. But we're going to sit and just look at a few verses that talk about what Jesus says about our prayer lives. And I think it's really important for us to understand what God's doing. Uh, if, If you kind of look at it like this, Christians seem to generally fall into a few camps when it comes to prayer. Uh, they generally seem to think that uh, some people say that you know God's going to do whatever he's going to do, so why do we need to spend a lot of time in prayer in this? If God is sovereign, if God is able to do what he wants to do and exact his will, what purpose does prayer play in my life? Why would I be involved in prayer? And I think that camp really misses the point of prayer. There's another group that says if we just prayed more, If we just prayed longer, if we just prayed in the right way, uh, then that would work. They, They believe in formulas to prayer and that the reason your prayer wasn't answered is because you didn't do it right. You know, if you had just prayed the right way or if you had said the right words or if you had thought about it in the right way, then God certainly would have answered your prayer. And I think that's misguided as well because it misses the power of prayer. A final group seems to think like prayer is pointless because it just doesn't seem like God answers our prayers all the time. And let's be honest, there can be a little bit of frustration happening when we go before the Lord and we're praying about things and it just seems like he's not answering the prayers that we have in the way that we want him to do it. And I think that's misguided as well because it misses the purposes of prayer. But today we're going to see these questions answered as Jesus goes through this passage. Uh, I think this is a relevant topic for all of us because most Christians, when polled, talk about two things being a little bit mysterious in their, in their uh, practice of their spiritual lives. One would be that they feel like it's a little bit mysterious to have this devotional time and they don't know how to engage with the Bible. And I would just tell you that reading the Bible is absolutely vitally important for the Christian. And you say, well, I'm not a big reader. That's great. You now have the opportunity to listen to the Bible. And the Bible never says read it or listen to it. Just engage with it, right? Let's be engaged with the Bible. You can hear the Bible, download an app for free, and listen to the Bible. If you do that for 30 minutes a day, in about 40 days, you will have listened to the entire New Testament. So that's available to you. But another area people talk about is this idea of prayer. I just feel like I I don't know how to do this. Well, Jesus is going to take us to this, and he's going to show us 
how to do this and how to grow in the Lord as we pray. So when it comes to prayer, I I think I should start by saying I confess these same struggles. I don't feel like an expert at all. I feel like some days I I pray and it, it might as well be like my prayers hit the ceiling and fall back to the ground. But there was a key word that I said there, feel. I feel. Well, feelings are just feelings and they're not always grounded in truth. And that becomes really important for us as we look at this and we see this. As the disciples were watching Jesus, one of the things that we notice about them is that they had observed him in prayer. They had seen him do something that the Gospel of Mark says he did several times. He withdrew. He stepped away and withdrew. And I don't know if they were kind of just watching from a distance what was going on or if sometimes he withdrew with them. But it says at a certain point they came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's really where we get the Lord's Prayer from, or what's called the model prayer. It really should be called the disciples' prayer. Uh, but, but what we see is this avenue for praying. And Jesus said, when you pray, here's how you should pray. And, and it starts off like this. Maybe you've not ever heard it before, or you don't know it, but maybe you've, you've, you've heard somebody say it, something like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That, that's the Lord's Prayer starting right there. Uh, it seems to be uh, prayed in some circles very often, in Baptist circles, maybe not that often. But we're going to get to that in just a little bit, even though I'm going to just tell you, we're not going to go through the whole Lord's Prayer today. We do that in our Grow class, and we'll be doing that in one month. If you haven't taken our Grow class, we spend an in-depth hour walking through devotional life and the Lord's Prayer so that you see every line, line by line, what God's doing and how he's teaching us to pray. So I encourage you to do that. I think the Grow class is going to be Sunday night, August 4th. And you can sign up for the other two uh, C3 classes, Give and Serve as well. Those will be following right along in August. And I know that those will help you and bless you. So let's look at verse 5 of chapter 6. And let's begin to see what Jesus says. He starts off by saying, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. Close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, just like he did last week, Jesus is going to take this and it's kind of like taking conventional wisdom and flipping it on its head and throwing it kind of away. He basically says, it would be perfectly normal for people to pray in public. You might expect that to be a thing that you see. And, and I know that uh, some people all around the world have to pray at certain times of day and, and they have to, have to do this kind of prescripted type of thing and, and they have to pray towards a specific place. It's not just enough that you pray. You have to pray towards Jerusalem, towards Mecca, towards a spot. It has to go through some, of, uh, some type of machinations for you to do it. It goes the same way all of the time. Well, Jesus says, don't do that. And this is really a turning point for the Christian faith. It it marks a shift for us that's a little bit different than most other religions around the world because he says, if you thought you were going to do it this way, I'm going to tell you to do it a different way. I was flying back from Israel uh, a couple of weeks ago, and right as the plane was boarding, it happened to be the time of the morning prayer, and after we were all kind of getting our stuff together, there was a guy who was sitting next to me who got some stuff out of his bag, and it had a prayer shawl, and he started getting what's called a phylactery and wrapping it around his arm and around his head, and he got a shawl, and if you've ever seen by do this, they rock back and forth as they do this, and they're praying and going through all this, 
And they do that because they're keeping the law as they understand it. And I couldn't help but think about this passage of scripture as we were about to get into this and seeing that, seeing someone who's obviously religious, someone who obviously has a love for God in some way, and yet Jesus saying we're not to be impressing anybody but the Lord himself because if we do that, all we're ending up with is something that's hollow. It doesn't have any meaning for our lives. One of my friends recently told me how his parents have his room set up just like it was when he left home, right? You go back, it's like a time capsule. And one of the things he was laughing about is he said, you know, my mom kept every one of my trophies, right? They're, they're all on display. And he was laughing. I said, well, are, are any of those like meaningful to you? I mean, he's like, yeah, the participation award from soccer in third grade, very meaningful. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so, so none of them were like you won state or he's like, no, I mean, not, nothing like that. And he said, I mean, they don't have any value to me. They they didn't have any value beyond what they carried. Now, I want you to see that because that's a beautiful picture of what Jesus is saying happens. If we want to pray these exquisite prayers in public and we want everybody to be impressed with us and go through this, you get no value that carries with you. There's no reward in that. that. That value is just like the little ribbon you got for participating in field day. Good for you. When you're 30, it means nothing. You know what I mean? It it, it doesn't hold any value to you. What Jesus is saying is that there's a way for us to earn a reward. And it happens when we go into prayer with the Lord and we do it in a specific way. I want you to look back at verse 6 because I believe this is really huge for us. And until honestly a few months ago, I never really understood the importance of verse 6 in our prayer lives. Look at it again. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I I thought it just spoke about doing things in private again, similar to what verse five had done when we, we kind of talked about this uh, earlier, you know, like you, you you need to not do this in front of people. It it needs to be a, a quiet place. You shouldn't be trying to get people to notice you. I got all that. I understood that. But in his book, The Secrets of the Secret Place, Bob Sore, he really unpacked this idea about the secret place in a way that, that made this verse come alive for me in a way that I hadn't seen it. Now, you may remember that Bob Sore, he was here and spoke to us during our renewal conference in February on unrelenting prayer. What do you do when you're praying and it just seems like God isn't answering? And he kind of went through that parable of the widow with the, the corrupt judge who kept going after that judge and saying, I want justice. Give me what is due. Well, in his book, I, I got to be honest, I had read this verse and until I read it in his book and he began to talk about it, I just glanced over it because I thought I had a pretty good understanding of it. I, I knew that nothing would be gained if I tried or you tried to stand up on the street corner. I mean, can you imagine how, how just fake that would feel? Go out here by the stoplight if you don't imagine that it'd feel fake and just start praying out loud with your hands raised high. What would you get out of that? There, there's nothing, I mean, you get that. I, I don't have to tell you that, right? You read that verse and you go, yeah, I understand that. But I got to be honest with you, we could do that in our homes, we could do it in our life group class, we could pray in such a way that we're wanting people to see something, and, and we all get that, that that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, move away from that. But, but here's the thing, in the Gospel of Mark, as we saw about Jesus withdrawing, and I mentioned that earlier, we saw that Jesus withdrew to a secret place. Why did he do that? Why did he, he move away to spend time with the Father? Well, that's got to be instructive for us. 
if Jesus, the Son of God, felt like it was necessary for him to do that, how important would it be for us to do the exact same thing? For us to withdraw from the cares of daily life, for us to withdraw from our workplace, for us to withdraw, moms, from our family life, right? For dads, for us to withdraw from all the things that you feel like you have to do and find time to be with the Lord. How important must that be? Because Jesus wasn't just modeling what prayer looked like. It was fellowship with the Father for him. It was intended for him to know the Father, intended for he and the Father to be alone. He was never trying to impress anybody with his quiet time with the Lord. And with this understanding, it was easy for me to miss this. And I don't want you to miss this. I want to read this direct quote from Bob's book. There's a surefire, 100% guaranteed way to have instant intimacy with the Father. And Jesus himself gave us the key. Jesus gave us the secret in the above verse when he said, your father who is in the secret place. Jesus is saying your father is already in the secret place. He's gone ahead of you. He's waiting for you. And the moment you get to the secret place, you're in the immediate presence of the father. Did you catch that? See, I'd read that verse, I'd, I'd read that verse and said, yeah, don't go around playing and blabbing around. I'd miss the whole part about the fact that the father's already in the secret place. The Father's waiting on you. You're not having to drum up business with the Father. You don't have to raise him up from a slumber or a sleep. When you enter the secret place, fact is, he's waiting on you. Now, this is truth. It's not just some kind of hopeful sentiment. That's a truth for us this morning. It's a reality for us this morning that changes how we view our time with God and how we pray. Because when we understand that shutting the door to the bedroom or shutting the door to the office or shutting the door in the car or just going to that comfy chair that you sit in every morning where you grab your coffee and your Bible, guess what? You weren't the first person to make it to the appointment. God was. You didn't show up like you had some agenda. That's how we think about it though, right? I got my agenda. Sit over here and listen to me, Lord. Let me see. Can you get over here? No, no, no. When you walked in, what happened? You walked into the very presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit. They were waiting on you. They were waiting on me. So as we show up, that's a reality for us to understand. And when this jumped off the pages for me, symbolically, you know what I started doing? I started walking into my little office at home and shutting the door. I'd never done that before. I shut the door. You know why? Because that physical response kind of associates something that gives me a spiritual response. It's just a reminder that shutting that door, shut the car door, shut the office door, shut the bedroom door, go into the closet, shut the door, whatever you have to do, that physical response for me reminded me that in that moment, God the Father was waiting on me. That's when prayer comes alive, right? That's when it, it starts to be uh, something that really jumps out in your life and it starts to make your life full and you begin to understand this because God's waiting for you there. Hebrews tells us that we have confidence to go before the Lord. Listen to Hebrews 4.16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find help in the time of need. Well, let me ask you this question. Is that how you feel when you pray? Confident? Do you feel when you walk in to the Lord that you can approach him with confidence or do you ever wonder if he's listening? Do you ever feel like your prayers hit the ceiling and come back? Well, this verse is telling us something. Our Father is in the secret place. He's waiting. We need to remind ourselves that we have never entered a prayer session where God wasn't waiting for us. Because when we do that, it changes everything. You don't have to search for him to listen to your prayers. You found him in the secret place. And guess what? Jesus told you where he was. Jesus showed you right there 
When you go to the secret place, he's waiting. I was thinking about what it's like to be a young person who's going on a date for a first time. You know, you're going on a date and you have all these weird questions like, what if I don't like them? Well, what if, what if we're just not compatible? I, I wonder if we like the same things. Uh, you, you go through the preparations, you know, you get dressed or whatnot and it makes all the difference in the world if you show up to the restaurant and that other person is there waiting on you and they've done the same things, right? They, they've gotten dressed, they're ready, the table's reserved, they're waiting on you. That's a lot different than somebody that casually show, uh, kind of strolls in 30 minutes late, isn't it? When somebody's waiting on you, when somebody's prepared for you, that changes everything because now you know that they're just as interested in you as you are in them. Well, guess what? God's waiting on you tomorrow. When you go to the secret place tomorrow, he's waiting on you. God is on time, and he's waiting to reveal more of himself to you. He's waiting to be in fellowship with you. He's waiting for you every morning to claim the promises of Scripture as you walk into the secret place. And that's the point of prayer, fellowship with the Father. Fellowship with the Father. Look at verse 7 and 8 with me. When you're praying, don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. Verse 7 and 8 give us something important. Prayer is about showing up. It's not about uh, what we do. It's about time spent with the Father. And this means for me that it has less to do with what I say or how I say it than showing up. Showing up into the prayer, the secret place, into that spot where we meet with the Lord, that's more important than what you say when you get there or how you say it when you get there. And, and that's freeing for us. That goes against the idea that if we prayed more in the sense of repetitious prayer, God would somehow be beholden to us to do what we ask him to do. That's not what it's about. That, that also goes against this kind of formulaic prayer that says, well, if you don't say the right things, then God certainly doesn't answer you. And, and I, I would just say this to you. If you're new in the, the, the ways of following Christ, sometimes you may be wondering, like, I don't know what I would pray. Don't worry about it. Just show up. Just show up. Show up into the secret place. Shut the door, believing that God is there. Sit quietly for the Lord and start having a conversation with him. Start talking to him about the failures that you've had in your life. Man, this week, Lord, I let you down right here because I sinned. Forgive me. Start talking to him about the joys of your life. Father, thank you for letting me experience this thing in my... I mean, just, it's just a conversation. It's not about what you say or how you say it because that mentality would make the, the idea of prayer totally fixated on us. That, that we're the, the initiator of prayer. And we've already seen that that's not true. God initiates our relationship with him. And that's true throughout all of the scripture. It's very clear if you read the scripture. God wanted people for himself, so he created Adam and Eve in the garden. God wanted a reset, and so he grabbed a man named Noah and told him to build an ark. God wanted a people for himself, and so he had Abram, and, and they, were, they were walking together in fellowship with one another, and all the promises of Scripture became located in one man's family and one nation as Jesus was coming from that. When God wanted a relationship with you, you didn't initiate that. God initiated that. God sent Jesus Christ to die in our place while we were still sinners. He wasn't waiting on you to figure it all out and go, man, I got to have a relationship with God. God initiates everything, so why would it be different in prayer? If God initiates our faith life with him, then he can initiate our prayer life with him. All of it's initiated by God the Father. And because he is there, you don't have to say the same thing every day. 
When Jesus gave us the model prayer, he didn't say, pray this five times a day. He didn't say, pray this every day. He said, when you pray, pray in this way. Pray like this. Use this as a template. You know, I've found in my life that there's nothing wrong with a template. Template for a resume is good. Not a problem, right? Template for a letter to your wife. Not a bad idea sometimes. Template, you know, for for a business letter and introduction, not bad. Template for a research paper, not bad. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a template. That's what Jesus gives us. So because of that, God's not going to be moved by our eloquence or our repetition. You don't go to the Lord and try to impress him. You don't go to the Lord and and try to just say, that if I say it enough, I'll I'll make it true. It, It doesn't work that way. We don't have to spend time worrying about praying the right things or the right ways. In fact, some days I believe what will happen is that you enter the secret place and you say nothing at all. It's a day spent listening. It's a day where you go before the Lord and it's just spent listening. Going before him to quietly seek his will and his ways. Creating space for the Holy Spirit to speak in your life. Some days you enter the secret place with prayer concerns so deep and so heavy, you can't even get them out. And we have good news about that, don't we? Romans chapter 8 speaks to this in Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. Can I get an amen? That was weak. Let me help you with this. You do not know how to pray as you should. Amen. Right? We don't. How do you know how to pray about everything? You'd have to be God to know how to do that, right? We don't know how to pray. Have you ever had a prayer situation where you were like, I don't know what to pray for this person. I think maybe I want this suffering and this trial to end in their lives. But what do I know? What does God know? What is God doing? Maybe he's refining character. We don't know how to pray. We're overburdened. We're overwhelmed. And he says the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to to the will of God. We don't have to know everything if we know the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to translate what's in our hearts to the Father. That's an amazing thing. The Holy Spirit knows how to translate beyond what we would use in language for the Father. And the scripture says some important things. Two things you should notice from that verse. One is that the Holy Spirit is interceding for you, meaning he's standing between you and the Father. When you go before the Father, you're not standing looking at the Father by yourself. It's the Holy Spirit standing there interceding for you. And he does all of this in accordance with the Lord's will. That's huge. All of it's done in accordance with the Lord's will. That's the power of prayer. The Holy Spirit in the secret place. When we pray, Many times we pray on our own until God shapes our character towards his purposes. And what I mean by that is that we pray in a way that we want things to work out. We go before the Lord and we tell him what we want to see him do and we ask him to do these things and we ask him to maybe give us a better job or make us wealthy, make us healthy, make us wise, all these things. And, and those kind of prayers are our starting place, but when we enter the secret place, something begins to change. 
God shapes our character towards his purposes. And that's why the secret place really becomes so important. When you go to the secret place regularly, God has an opportunity to shape your prayer life. It may start out as what you desire, but ultimately, if you'll stick with it, what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to shape that and translate those things and conform those things into the will of God. He prays in accordance with the will of God. You can't ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray sinfully. You say, what does that mean? I've met many Christians who, knowing what is right, decided to do what was wrong and just said, well, God will bless it because I've prayed about it. Right. The Holy Spirit prays in accordance with the will of God. Because he's praying in accordance with the will of God, what that means for us is that it will never violate the will of God for your life. And as the Holy Spirit begins to shape your life into the will of God, you become a living picture of Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. And this is the purpose of prayer. It becomes evident. God transforming our lives. You see, we read this kind of psalm, and we say, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he, he grants me the desires of my heart. He has to do it. Right. We forget the delight. Don't get the cart before the horse. Have you delighted in the Lord lately? Or have you expected him to delight in you? Now, now I'm going to be honest with you. He delights in you because he's your father. That's a given. But have you delighted in the Lord? Have you spent time just going before the Lord and been so overwhelmed and overcome by the fact that he saved you, by the fact that he loves you, and you just go before him and just spend time with him just on the basis of that? When you do that, the Holy Spirit begins to transform your life. And that's why we pray even though God knows what we already need. It's transforming. It changes everything. The purpose of prayer is that our will is conformed to his. And if we dive into the Lord's Prayer, we begin to see some of these things. I am who you say I am. We just sang about that. You are for me, not against me. In my Father's house. Why, why would we call God our Father? You know, it's a funny little word that Jesus used there. And it's the word that, that I love it when my kids call me this, Daddy. I don't, I don't know what I would think about my child calling me like, hello, father. It feels a little formal, doesn't it? And it doesn't exactly translate for us. The word's daddy. Daddy. That, that, that's an interesting kind of way to put it because that's closeness. Right? How do you think Jesus approached God the Father when he withdrew? And what I'm about to say, I don't mean it, I mean, I'm, I'm reading into the scripture and I don't mean it to be like, this is the gospel truth. Would, would you just take a, a, a little bit of imagination with me? I don't think imagination hurts sometimes. Do you imagine that Jesus knelt before the Father and went through five rituals and just did that? Or, or do you think that he sat before the Father and they were close? Daddy. I'm struggling today, Dad. I'm overwhelmed with joy today, Dad. Thank you. I love you, Dad. Dad, I got this thing in my life. I don't know what to do. I've got this sin in my life, Dad. I need some help with. I need to forgive someone, Dad. 
I'm struggling to forgive them. Help me, Dad. And then he came back. Back to the world that he was in, but that secret place was really important. I want to challenge you to enter the secret place tomorrow morning. Find a place. It doesn't have to be special. It just has to be quiet. It doesn't have to look like my, my spot or anyone else's spot. I mean, it, it can look like anything you want. You can literally get in your car and shut the door and just spend a few minutes alone in the secret place. As you go there, I want you to know something. He's waiting on you. When you get there, the room will be right, the place will be ready, and he'll be waiting with anticipation for you. Excited to hear about all the things that concern you. I always love it when people tell me, like, I didn't want you to know about this pastor because I just didn't want you to be burdened by praying for this. What does that mean? I was afraid to tell you. We don't have to be afraid to ask anyone to pray for us. We don't have to be afraid to go before the Father and pray about anything. He's there. He's waiting. So let's do this. Would you close your eyes with me? And I want us together to say the Lord's Prayer. If you know it, say it with me. And instead of debtors, we'll use trespasses just to kind of keep us all on the same, on the same thing here. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we thank you that because we have entered this secret place right now, you're here. And our hearts, Lord, what we're about to say to you come from the innermost place. No one else knows it. No one's going to hear. But we know that you're hearing. And so we pray, knowing you already know what we need. Give us the point of prayer and the power and the purpose today. I invite you right now to take a moment and just speak to the Lord. Talk to him like a friend, like you would daddy. Lord, we thank you for forgiveness. And we thank you for the access we have to your throne of grace through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for hearing every prayer that was prayed this morning. Thank you for being ready for that, Lord. And I pray for us tomorrow that as we go into the secret place, we will have learned how to pray from what Jesus taught us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.